Welcome to Many Windows, the podcast about education for anyone who is interested in education. My name is John Cassie, and I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend and co-host, Jennifer McGlemory. You got it this time. A lot See? Of doesn't remember my name, and I have to tell him my name. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got it. So, uh, John Cassie, Jennifer McGlemory, and we're here with COVID Considerations Week 8. Wow. Good on you, Jennifer. Yeah. And you yeah, too, Good on John. us. For, yeah. Um, how's your week been? I've had car issues and dog issues. So it's just been about pouring money into my animals and my car to try and keep them both running. Right. So not school. I don't even know what's been happening at school because I've been so focused on my car and my dog. <laughs> oh, whoops. Is this recording right now? I thought this was still pre-show. <laughs> One of the realities of, um, you know, of, of this time is that even though we're in, in a COVID situation which makes school life strange we are also in our real lives which are also you know sometimes they just take precedence right today i did a staff meeting from my car outside of the imaging center where my dog was getting an mri so i had to be at the imaging center at 8 a.m and my staff meeting was starting at 8 a.m so i said can i get there a few minutes early and then I set up my computer and I'm sitting in my car, leading the staff right. meeting from my car. Right. But it's kind of amazing that we can do that. You know, and mm -hmm. if we were in school, I would not be able to be there at all, right? right. Somebody else would have to do it. And yet here I am. Yeah, I mean, we're, my car. we're live, uh, doing live instruction TK through 12 at my school because we're in Orange County, California, and we have- You don't have very, school, right? Yeah. We have very good, protocols for managing health and social distancing and all that kind of stuff. We've been working on them for months. And, um, but still students are allowed to stay distance if they wish to, right? They can come back if they wish to, they can stay distance if they wish to. And we had a student, one of my students came back to live on uh, Wednesday. And when I saw him for the first time on Thursday, I was like, so how's it going? He said, you know, it's nice to be back, but it's so weird. Yeah, I was so campus. used to, yeah. he said, you know, what's nice is that I'm not done in exhausted at 12 from Zoom fatigue, hmm. right? But, and this sort of echoes a point that I made maybe a week or two ago on this program, that he's in live instruction, but he's like, I don't know how to do this. I, I don't, this is, I don't get this, right? Like I felt when I was teaching for the first time live after months of distance, I was like, well, I guess I'm now a distance teacher. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really know. It's very, it's a, it's a strange, you know, it's a strange place, but it reflects our times. In 10 years, if this happened, we'd probably have virtual reality circumstances that we could deploy. And if it was 10 years ago, this wouldn't even be possible. We wouldn't, what would we be yeah. doing? Yeah. Mailing stuff home to kids? I mean, it would be, imagine the catastrophe then, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I hope your dog is well and your car isn't going to, yeah. And thank you so much for listening. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think we need to explain what we're doing because we're eight weeks in. So yeah. why don't you introduce our guest to the audience? Yes. Our guest today is Kathy Wills Sarna and she's a kindergarten teacher. So we've interviewed a teacher of middle school 
we've interviewed a parent who has a child in college and in high school. We've interviewed a high school student. We've interviewed a head librarian. We've interviewed a parent of a middle school and high schooler. So we've been kind of working of our way down, right? We, yep. uh, we really wanted to interview someone who is at the front lines of education when they first, because if any, anyone is, um, is impacted or is, um, experiencing education in a different way, right? It's our students that are first entering education as kindergartners. Right. And it's not, it's not what they were expecting. It's not what their parents were expecting. And it's, you know, how much can you have a kindergartner on Zoom all day? So these are the questions we want to find out from you, what your experience is as a kindergarten teacher. So welcome, Kathy. Well, thank you. I'm very honored that you chose me to come and represent my, my world of the little ones because my experience is I started with high school. I taught seven years of high school, six years of middle school, and then I went from middle school, eighth grade, right to kindergarten, and I've been there for 23 years. That is one of the most extraordinary teacher resumes. People <laughs> listening who are not educators, I hope you realize how extraordinary that is. And Kathy, I've never seen you do your thing, but if you can effectively teach K, 8, and in high school, you are like Wonder Woman, right? I, I've said all, over and over again, the fact that we call a kindergarten teacher, a third grade teacher, a seventh grade and an 11th grade teacher, all teachers masks the fact that those jobs are radically different. So I'd love to hear sort of your perspectives on what you're bringing from that previous experience into doing this work in such an unusual environment with, you know, what, five-year-olds, right? Yeah, well, the reason I like started switching down is like I did the high school first, and that was a lot of special ed. And I came to the state of California and did the high school. And I did special ed. I worked with kids incarcerated. I worked at some of the incarceration, uh, uh, the detention centers, and and then I went. That was a non-public school, so that was non-public. Then I went to public in Burbank, and I had the eighth graders, and that was when the whole language. Um, reading program was there which was kind of like you expose them to literature and they'll just kind of learn to read and they took out the phonics and then you know i had all these kids that were like in eighth grade and i'm like how did you get here you can't read um you know why are we just pushing kids on and so a job came up mid-year right in time for the valentine's party which was apparently i needed to be prepared for and um and i switched to kindergarten because i had a daughter that was coming home every day with all this fun stuff to do and i was like you mean i can do that and get you know so i i wanted to really be there to teach kids how to um how to read and i wanted to be at the beginning process because pushing kids on when they haven't mastered the basics they can't catch up unless somebody's waiting for them and nobody waits for, you know people don't stop and wait for the kid to catch up and so I really wanted to be at the very beginning of mm -hmm. the learning process. And I, I probably became one of the, one of the ones in the, our 11 elementary school districts that probably has allowed children to do kindergarten again, more than any other teacher in the entire district. Mm -hmm. Because I really believe if you don't let them have the time in the basics of their, the beginning, then they, until they've mastered the basics, they, the gap will always be there and it will increase. And so 
that was just my passion was to stay at the very beginning and um, make sure that kids had the skills that they needed to get be successful. I absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. I could have said the same thing myself. Uh, half of my career has been spent in schools that are transitional kindergarten or pre-K through grade mm-hmm. 12, and half has been in, in schools that aren't that way. And mm-hmm. um, anytime I've had a leadership position that allowed me to move between divisions, I've always spent a great deal of time in the pre-K, TK, because if you get that right, right. the dividends are right. unmeasurably good. So Absolutely. yeah, I, I could, couldn't agree with you more. We need more people to understand that because what I do find is that the people in administrative positions, the people in the union positions, everybody's middle school, high school heavy. Mm-hmm. They're mostly, yeah. they've taught middle school or fourth grade and up. It's like the world of K and one are crucial. And unless you've kind of taught it and you see it, um, you know, understanding the whys of making sure that those are the years that you make the hard decisions of giving kids the time. It's, it's super important and it's not, it's not, you know, failure and, and trying to make sure that, you know, we're worried about what the stigma of doing it again or whatever is they've got to get those skills because if you can't read, you can't do anything in school. Mm-hmm. And by second grade, no one's, no one's going to teach you and sound out words with you. You better know how to read or someone will just read it for you and you'll never learn to read. So right. you've right. got to learn to read. And now, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Again, preach, sister, preach, <laughs> right? I think we're, we need to do, probably when our whole COVID series is over, we need to do an episode just on you know, kinder retention, bonus year, you know, that whole idea. Kathy and I have had many discussions sitting at this very table here. Mm -hmm. She's collected data. She's done my own research project. Yeah. She's, she stays because she's part of this community. She stays in touch with families. Yeah. And so she hears from them, you know, what do you always want from it, from the research about uh, kindergarten retention or bonus years is you want to hear that, um, longitudinal data like so what yep. is what is that student doing mm-hmm. in middle school and high school and she has a lot of yeah. that feedback from those parents so yep. I think we'll have to do a whole episode on that actually because yeah. it's certainly worthy of an entire episode right. but what totally. we really want to know today is how do you teach kids to read over uh, distance learning over, over computers yeah. <laughs> what are you well, doing every day well I don't think I've worked this hard since I was a student teacher in terms of my lesson plans because yes. ultimately the kids can't read so I'm trying to lay it out for the parents like step by step how to help them on their asynchronous learning which is a whole word everybody yeah that was an explanation and a half trying to teach them what asynchronous was um how to help them do things when i'm not on the screen with them and the gift that i do have is that they have they're able if they're in within earshot or some of them are sitting beside their they're able to see how i do do that which they wouldn't get that opportunity Mm, right if they weren't we weren't at in home. the room. Yeah. So, I mean, they're listening to me take a book that if they, I gave it to them, they would read it with their kid in like 30 seconds. Cause it only has one word on it, but they get to see how I look at the illustration first. And I talk about the title and I talk about the word text and I talk about letter sounds and I look for details and, and they get to hear the whole how to teach. And so that's a gift that they're getting 
right. that they wouldn't get normally for, especially the working parents who would never be able to come and volunteer in my room and see where their kid is. And I've had parents who thought their kids were like the top, they were going to be fine. They were going to be at the top of the class. And they, they actually said to me, oh my gosh, there's kids who are like really reading. And they, they see that their child isn't where they thought their child was. And they see their child differently because um, they get to hear and they get the access to what goes on in the classroom. So that's kind of been a gift for some of the parents to kind of like make mm -hmm. them aware of where they're, you know, what, what instruction looks like if they, their kid was, if they could be in the classroom, which a lot of them can't be. Right. So. Yeah. Your, your, your thoughts there bring three ideas to mind for me. W one, uh, it's nice to have a visual um, instructional aid. They get to see you doing the work to understand that simply by virtue of having been to school does not mean that you know how to educate or that in fact, you know anything about education. Right. That's, not to, that's not to put parents in their own box, but it is to say you have a perspective that is shaped by your experience it does not help you understand method. Right. It does not help you understand pedagogy. Right. And in fact, if you're a parent, you know, around, you know, in sort of your 40s or your 30s or your 40s, your teacher's pedagogical practice was shaped by teachers themselves who were teaching in the 40s, right? right. So, you know, check yourself. One. Right. Two. Um, my colleagues, and I'm sure this is true in your school, it's probably true in every school in the country, the, the heroic level of preparation required to just tread water is unlike anything any of us have ever experienced in memory, okay? My, you know, I think my, my colleagues are doing A-plus work in instruction, but the cost of that is doing a work in planning, which is draining the well at a, at a rate that's, that's uh, I don't know how it's gonna be sustained, right? I'm interested in, you know, how can a kindergartner sustain their focus on a oh. screen for the amount of time that you would want them? And then what kind of materials do you provide them? Or can you do everything online? Or do you need to provide them with actual copies of stuff to do? Because in kindergarten, they're, they're learning to form letters. Well, you, you have to. I mean, in order to sustain, it's like a show. And you know, God, yeah. I, you know the right. fact that I'm letting parents into my, my my goofy life, you know, that I'm on screens all over the house. I was, I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. You have to watch this. Right. But I mean, you have to sing and dance and put on a show to keep their attention. And um, the most important thing at this age is, I mean, they need to work on their fine motor skills. They need to work on their muscles. They will need to work on their pencil grips. They need to, they need to do, you know, motor planning drawing. So you have to send home a lot of paper pencil, which is, is important, but I can't really see what they're doing. So, mm. you know, in the, in the screen world, like luckily at my school, we have a drop and a, a grab and go where you can get the next month's material. Once a month you can get materials and I have them drop stuff off as well because I don't, 
you know, with the technology world, the last thing I want a parent to do after they've pretty much had to teach their child for like half of the day is to sit and upload 15 pages of this math curriculum on a screen and I can't read it anyway because your kid doesn't have the motor skills to press hard enough to make it even visible. Right. And you know, I don't want to look, and I personally don't want to look at a screen again for another 24 kids times 15 pages of math that I can't see anyway. I don't want to be on a screen anymore. I, I am a kindergarten teacher. Ask Jennifer. I barely got my attendance done. I would say out of five days in the week, I remembered twice because I never sit down. I never sit at a computer. I never right. sit. So the fact that my new job is sitting in a chair for four hours or three hours with the kids and another three hours after the kids, I've never, I don't know how people sit at a job. I, I, I right. don't know. I hurt from sitting. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's uh it's 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 one of the the sort of reminders that what kids need is to be active. Oh, absolutely. And what well, we they're active. Oh, they're active. <laughs> they're twirling in the curtains. Uh, they're, they're they're rocking in their chairs. Oh, they're they're up. That isn't an issue. Oh yeah, they're they're moving whether I want them to be or not. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got one who's pretty much in the curtains most of this class. So, you know, he's in the curtains. He's out of the curtains. He's in the curtains. He's out of the curtain. Yeah. This is a, this but, is a child after my own heart. Oh, it's it's pretty hysterical. They're into the screen. They're checking to see if they can see their loose tooth on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're yeah. You see, you know, you're you're texting parents like, yeah, I might want to make sure she's got some shorts on under that. <laughs> you know, she's like, their legs are up, their feet are out. You know, yeah. Right. It's it's right. quite a comedy show most days, but yeah. But but learning is happening. It, you know what they. They are little sponges. As long as you're excited and you say their name, they are with you. You compliment, you talk about what shirt they have on. All they want to talk about, that's what I miss, is the first day of kindergarten. The entire day is like, they want to tell you about their new folder that is the most exciting thing they've ever gotten. Their, their new shirt, their backpack, their shoes, you know, that they have a new bow in their hair, they saw their grandma, you know. They just want to tell you so many things. And that's the hard part is like, I make time for that because that is what engages them in school. And that's where I check their language skills. That's where I can check their, their comprehension of my questions. I mean, all that to me is like pure assessment. I don't need to sit them down with a test. I ask them a question. Can they answer it right? Can they stay on topic? Can they put a sentence together? Um, Are you doing that whole group? Like how many kids do you have in your class? I have 23 kids okay. and then I do two small groups. I, I divided them sort of high, low, squirrely, not, you know, I looked at a lot of things. Um, we started our day later because a lot of them have siblings. So we started, that was smart. You know, instead of starting at 8.30 when everybody else starts, we let the older, because a lot of them have older siblings, we mm. let the families get the older kids on and settled. And then we start smart. at nine. Mm. Smart. And so, you know, um, but yeah. Now, Jennifer and I, our very first guest, Hannah Bennett, is the head of um, of an independent school in Hollywood. And she said, and I think this is true, she said, hey, wait a minute. Lots of kids, far more than we would have expected, are doing better in distance mm -hmm. than they were doing live. Now, she, we did, her episode was right at the beginning of the school year, mm -hmm. right? So she was reflecting on the, on the end of the year. And she said, we actually probably got more instructional minutes on reading 
and mathematics than we would have if we were just live. And some students were doing better in distance than they were doing live. Are you, are you, do you have that experience, Kathy, or is that not something you're seeing? I, I think not just because of the reason that if I had them in class, like I have kindergarten kids come with so many different skill levels. There's parents who believe in like a play-based preschool and not pushing. So they haven't really been exposed to letters. Not that they're not capable of learning them and they couldn't learn them fast, but I need to go introduce them to them at a more, they don't have as much experience. Then you've got kids I mean, if we want to get really into something that needs to change is we've got all these TK and JK kids who got a free year of preschool. They were already the oldest kids coming to school and they got a paid for year of, of TK and or half a year of JK, which was basically exposure to kindergarten curriculum. So those kids are already had a hundred. If you read the outliers, they've already had their 180 days of practice. Mm -hmm. And not that they're any smarter than the other kids, but they've had more practice. Right. So it's a very unlevel playing field. So if they were in class, back to your question, if they were in class, when I teach a lesson, I could send some kids to go to work and I could take the kids that were at different levels and pull them to either give them like boot camp skills or enrichment skills or whatever. That's the kind of stuff I can't mm. do on the screen right. because I can't, if I do breakout rooms, I, even if I could put kids in breakout rooms, I'm putting them with people who are not teachers. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so mm -hmm. it's great that it they go help. and I can instruct yeah. somebody else, but then that gives me more work to do. Now I'm teaching teachers how to teach as well as teaching kids and then prepping. So mm -hmm. I, I think if they were on, there would be much more ability to access all the different levels and get kids what they need. So yeah. Yeah. for my level, it's not, it's not the same. I mean, if I teach to the middle, I still have the high group lost and the low group lost. Right. So, and I don't have time to bounce around because I'm not with them. Right. So. Right. Just so by or, virtue of the screen, you, you, you have to, uh, you just have to figure out how to reach the different levels in a radically different way. Right. Cause you can't move around. You're not going to put, no. I'm going to put five-year-olds in breakout rooms. I mean, as we learned from one of our previous guests, the student, he was like, enough already with the breakout rooms. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, tough challenge. And I think even my middle school teachers feel the same way. If you have kids in the classroom, you can move around and get to them. Right. Yep. And give them that individual feedback. Right. Or they can whisper to you or you can check what they're doing and go, oh, wait a minute, you need mm -hmm. to correct this. And it's just not the same. Uh, it's really so much more just group instruction. Mm -hmm. You're throwing something out to the whole group and hoping some of them are catching it. Right. And I think, you know, when you thought, when you say, you know, some kids really liked online. I mean, I think there was a novelty in the beginning with online because, mm -hmm. you know, parents were trying to limit screen time so the fact that they were on mm -hmm. computers so much felt like mm -hmm. a treat well now it's like it's not that much of a treat anymore this is kind of a bear right and, and the little kids you know like i said i was said to jennifer you know they don't they haven't bought their kids these high expensive technology so they're on these you know cheaper things that are like cutting out and every time i share my screen they lose it and you know it they don't have the skills with technology. So this isn't, 
something that they're independent with and they're loving because it's frustrating for them. They can't yeah. hear me. The screen goes, you know, there, I have this one little girl. So I can't see you. It's always dark. Where'd you go? And I'm like, honey, it's just your screen. It'll come back. Just be patient. But you know, she's always cutting out. Yeah. Because she's just got one of those computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was interesting. Kathy brought this up to me in our pre-meeting over wine <laughs> that uh, <laughs> something I hadn't really thought about you know, these families with two and three kids, the youngest child does not have the MacBook Pro, right? right? If you've got three kids, they don't all have great laptops, right? It's, it's, right. There's a hand-me-down approach, I think, to technology as well. So the oldest kid is probably going to have the best technology, whatever. You know, parents upgrade themselves, pass it on to the next mm-hmm. oldest, and then right. their old technology gets passed on to the next oldest, and then the youngest gets the whatever it is, the old iPad, or they're borrowing a Chromebook from school, which we have really found now that we're 10 weeks in, we've really found the limitations of these Chromebooks. Well, and, and think about, I mean, just the basic skills. Like I take my students to the computer lab and we have the mouse. I mean, I've got kids clicking with their thumbs. I've got kids clicking both fingers at the same time and boxes are popping up. So they don't know how to use a mouse. Typically right. by five, the most things they've done is they've either had an iPad or a, a their mom's phone, and that's all touch screen. So right. they don't know how to use whatever you call this, a tracking pad. I didn't even know. I don't use a tracking pad. I have a mouse at school, so I had to like, but you ask a five-year-old to be coordinated enough with that right. to figure out how to mute, unmute, log on. They just don't have, they don't mm-hmm. have those kinds of skills. So it's a very parent reliable. And, you know, and I, I, as the parents are trying to, you know, juggle their own schedules, their other kids, their full-time job, their own Zoom meetings with their work, I'm sure they're, they're not teaching their kids how to do it because they don't have time. So they're just running over and doing it for their kids, which mm-hmm. isn't helpful. I mean, right. no one likes someone. To, my husband does that to me all the time. He's like, he does it for me. I'm like, I want to do it. Just tell me how to do it so I can learn. Yep. Don't do it because then I don't learn how to, how, to, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. But that's what the parents are doing. They're running over, even they're turning pages for their kids, finding them pages in their book because thinking they're being helpful, but it's like, those are the skills that I work on. Mm-hmm. Is it time to turn the page or flip the book? You know, mm-hmm. that is a biggest part of the math test more than the content is turn and then flip. Those are two different things with a page. And, and when you don't have time to work on that, I mean, we're missing so many key skills mm. that are like secondary to the content mm. that are, you know, that you can't do with a screen. And it's right. just. Yeah. This is what, this is what educators who, who work in, in higher grades, they simply don't understand the granularity of the kind of skills that you have to teach. Mm-hmm. Turn and flip. Yeah. Turn mm-hmm. and flip. Totally different. Right. Hold right. a pencil sufficiently hard right. and with enough skill so that you can make a mark that can actually be read. Right. Okay. And if you don't get that, right. the downstream effect is disastrous, right? Everything. Because we can't Everything. just keep remediating. We, you know, we are the, the way our systems are designed mm-hmm. by batch processing children in groups, it's mm-hmm. not this individual needs this thing. It's this individual's in grade two. You know, why didn't that teacher send me a student who could do blah, blah, blah? Well, 
they didn't. Now it's your job to make sure that you fix whatever you've discovered. How am I supposed to do that? Pay attention to your kids. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, hopefully, hopefully the parents are, I mean, that's like, again, the parents are getting to listen to like, and they wouldn't get to see that. So I'm, I'm grateful for those that are kind of listening that it's, it's, um, you know, taking a bubble test. I mean, we're bubble testing in kindergarten. Good grief. And, yeah. And sometimes the page has like three different sections with it. The page is so busy that sometimes it's more of a visual practice uh, mm -hmm. skill with mm -hmm. finding visually where you're even supposed to be looking and listening yeah. to directions mm -hmm. than it is the concept. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, you know, it's, that's it's, a special kind of crazy. It's yeah. Bubble, it's, bubble then, forms for kindergartners. Give me a break. Yeah. Bubbling in. And the thing is, the, the thing that's funny about it is that, you know, and some tests, there's more than one answer and other tests, there's one. Like if you're going to teach kids to bubble, let them know that there's just one answer. Cause the next thing you need, you don't need them at middle school picking two answers that sound good. Cause in kindergarten, there's been two answers. Like it's like, which one of the following is a circle? Well, there's two circles. So, and then the next question, there's only one right answer. I mean, just make it one right answer and everything so they can learn how to find the one right answer. Yeah. Not in this one, there's two in this one. There's, there might be more than one. How do you know? It's like mm -hmm. madness. Just, you're going to teach a skill, like teach it so that it's going to be consistent. I mean, that's always been kind of a complaint of mine. We do a lot of things at elementary and, it, and then in middle school, they don't even talk about it. It's gone. Mm -hmm. So we adopt these things that are like in, and then by the, it's never throughout. Mm -hmm. And that would be really nice if we could work on that, but mm -hmm. I don't run the school district. So. And I think, kin, you know, kinder is its own special animal. And so when we take things like, you know, middle school, fill in the blank, fill in the bubble type of tests and just push it all the way down into kindergarten, it's not necessarily developmentally appropriate. Yeah. Again, I think that's because a lot of the people who write the curriculum, I feel like it's just exactly that. The people are like at a certain grade level and they just, they haven't, even if they think they know kindergarten, they haven't taught it. It's mm -hmm. like, get your frontline workers out there to tell you that this is ridiculous. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I wish, I don't know that I get asked to sit on committees. I probably, I, I, I you know, report card committees, whatever. It's like, things just don't make sense when you're down in the five-year-old world. Mm -hmm. And I think too many people who haven't taught the five-year-old world are making decisions about the five-year-old world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because they know the third grade world and they just mm -hmm. think, oh, well, one less would be this, two less would be this, three less would be this. So this is what they should do. Yeah. When in yeah, fact, when fact, the need of that manner is radically different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the focus, I mean, there's just, I mean, I look at any of my curriculum, it's hard to use it. All of us spend so much time and money with teachers pay teachers and finding stuff because the stuff you adopt has nowhere near enough practice for the kids to master it. Right. And I thought that was part of our getting rid of, you know, getting to the common core was less stuff and go deeper. Yep. And I still find it's exposure to everything, mastery of nothing because there's not enough practice of anything. Yeah. So that's just my, those are my two cents and my $5, well, my $10. I got a lot of money to spend. So. On that note, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're at, we're at the end of our time. But this is not the last time we're going to have you on this show. Oh, fun. Uh, Kathy, if you'll, if you'll indulge us. We only scratched the surface here today, I feel like. Well, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 
we'd love to have you back on and to talk in much greater length about this this notion of the the critical difference of the t that sort of the tkk learner and the importance of getting that right i would love to talk at much greater length i would um, love to do that there's nothing i think that's part of kinder is parents getting the parents on board and educating the parents because this is the time to catch them and get them clued into what, how they can help their kids. Couldn't agree more. So thank Couldn't you. Agree I more. love that. I would Brilliant. love that. Love uh, it. So uh, Jennifer, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Yep. And uh, Kathy, Wills, Sarna. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Okay. Until next time. All right. Take Bye. care. Thanks, John. Stay well. Bye. Bye.